This podcast is brought to you by Western Australia's Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development's Grains Directorate. Hello and welcome to our Grains Convo podcast series focusing on areas of broadacre grains research. These short podcasts aim to assist grain growers by delving deeper into our research projects that target crop protection, crop production, soils and genetics in broadacre crops. You can now download and subscribe to DPED's Grains Convos podcasts and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. My name is Cindy Webster and I am a research agronomist based at DPED's Narogen office. Today I'm talking with research scientists Jeff Moore and Svetlana Michic, who are based at DPED's South Perth and Albany offices, about monitoring and managing sanding soils in the West Midlands area that have had low ground cover last year and this season due to a combination of environmental factors. Hi Jeff, and welcome to today's podcast. Oh, thanks Cindy, uh, thanks for the opportunity. And Jeff, would you like to tell us a bit about your role in Deep Herd? Uh, Cindy, I'm part of the Livestock Feedbase Group. For, actually, for the last few years, I've been mainly working in the far north of WA on irrigated fodder production for cattle in the West Kimberley. But I have previously worked extensively in the West Midlands, particularly on subtropical perennial grass pastures. So quite familiar with the region, and it was really good to get back there this year and spend some time up there. And for today's podcast topic, would you like to describe to us what happened with sandy soils in the West Midlands region last season? So it was really unexpected because it was, you know, the conditions was a favourable growing growing conditions last year. But in spring 2021, there was extensive areas of bare or maybe we should call it low ground cover sandy soils. And we're talking large areas, you know, tens of thousands of hectares that were affected. So in collaboration with the West Midlands Group, we wanted to investigate the causes and also develop strategies to reduce the risk of further erosion. The area of greatest concern is from Gingin in the south to Alanooka in the north, which is south of Geraldton, and then west of the Darling Fault Line. So it's essentially the Perth Basin. What we found from our survey, and I think we investigated 12 sites across nine properties, was that a common denominator across all the sites were the high grasshopper numbers during last year's growing season. Producers were reporting waves of grasshoppers in paddocks, especially early in the season. We also found that in addition to the grasshoppers, there was also another contributing factor. For example, some properties that had a false break following good rains in late February, while there are other reports of recent overgrazing of paddocks, while some paddocks just had a low pasture seed bank. But these factors tended to be quite site-specific, so they varied from one paddock to another, while the high grasshopper numbers were a common factor or theme. And the overall outcome, and it wasn't that great really, was the loss of valuable topsoil and nutrients from wind erosion and a large number of paddocks that were, you know, very unproductive. So what happened is that the paddocks with inadequate or low ground cover were hit with the strong winds associated with the passage of Cyclone Saroja in April. Uh, this was followed up by other strong wind events. And for some sites, this pattern has continued right across summer and into 2022. So it was quite a serious situation for those affected areas. But was it all bad news? Oh, Sandy, definitely not. And so it's some really positive news. Many producers were proactive in controlling the grasshoppers and or over pasture paddocks. So they they're really... The priority was to get cover, so they sowed cereals or a cereal pasture mix, while some producers sowed sorghum or millet later in the season to get cover and ensure there was ground cover. And overall, these producers were largely successful. 
On the other hand, some producers, you know, thought quite reasonably that the grasshoppers will go away, disappear over the growing season, as, as typically the case, and, and didn't take any action. So that's like a snapshot of the situation in 2021. But it's important to note that our focus is not looking back, but very much looking forward. So DFERD, we're working with the West Midlands Group and some leading producers for them to share their experiences about what remediation worked well and what was less successful. So what do growers and consultants need to look out for this season in the in the affected area? Yes, Cindy, it's a good question. And what we're reminding producers is to do four things. Firstly, to closely monitor sandy soils for ground cover, especially those paddocks which had low ground cover in 2021. Secondly, to have a plan to actively manage any areas with low ground cover. Thirdly, to monitor for grasshoppers. And fourthly, to have a plan B if seasonal conditions change. Fortunately, it looks like a widespread, we won't get a widespread false break with the good rains we've just had in late May, but there have been strong winds associated with the passage of the cold fronts. So yeah, it was reminding the producers to do these four things. And how can producers manage their low ground cover this year? Well, there are a range of strategies um, to improve the feed, feed base um, and get improve the ground cover and reduce the risk of erosion. There's a number of short-term tactical options. The first option to get ground cover quickly um, really on really bare areas is to oversow a cereal into the pasture paddocks, or maybe it's only a part of a paddock. Uh, that's quite common as well. So producers have been sowing a range of cereals into their pasture paddocks, and it varies. Some use cereal rye, others prefer triticale, some like uh, maybe barley or forage barley, oats. So a range of cereals or cereal mixes are being used. Secondly, and it really it's a fairly obvious one, is that producers can exclude grazing from paddocks with lower marginal ground cover until the ground cover exceeds the guidelines for minimum ground cover. So they can move their stock into confinement feeding, or if they have perennial pastures, they can graze them because they'd be growing well now with the with the early rains. A very good option is to over-sow a cereal pasture mix by, to, and then therefore you're building a self-regenerating pasture base for the medium term. So, you know, cereal, sowing cereal is good, but it can be just a short-term fix because you won't get much regeneration in the second year. But this, in this way, sowing a cereal pasture mix, you can really set the pasture up for the medium to long term to be very productive. Another option is annual cropping. So annual cropping, with, particularly with no grazing, can be a stable land use on the deep pale sands. But there is a question mark about how sustainable it is in the medium term. So what we also found with our survey, and it's not that surprising, is that the soil fertility levels on many of the sites investigated were very low to low. For, if we're talking about phosphorus, potassium, sulfur, organic carbon, while in general soil pH was generally adequate to satisfactory. So really looking more medium term to lift the pasture and the livestock productivity, you had a, the producers will need to increase the soil fertility levels. But Cindy, there are also some medium to long-term actions. One is that often there's weak areas within a paddock, so a medium to long-term action would be to fence the soil type to, to separate out the more susceptible soils and ensure that the paddocks have a relatively uniform carrying capacity. But there are some areas and some areas we went to in the survey where it's really not possible to fence the soil type. So in this case, these are areas are often highly susceptible to wind erosion. So there's some options to ameliorate those by claying or even applying gravel on the soil surface. So 
those these factors make the soil surface more stable, encourage ground cover, and reduce the erosion risk. Another option is to sow subtropical perennial grasses. Well-managed perennial pastures should have year-round high ground cover as well as being productive and providing out-of-season green feed. So that's it's probably fair to say perennial grasses are the most stable option for grazing these sandy soils in the West Midlands as it can have year-round high levels of ground cover. And we saw that this year, like it was a really dry summer with like negligible rain from like early December right through to the rain in late March. But the perennial grasses, you know, maintained good ground cover and was very stable. But there is a bit of a note here. You need good establishment. So good establishment is a key. It's not all the perennial pastures that we see around the place have adequate plant density. So then so they're not meeting that requirement. A couple more options would be the medium term, uh, fence off the pale deep sands, which have low agricultural potential, and you could plant these to trees and potentially get carbon sequestration benefits. In the past, you know, that people have planted some of these poor areas to pines. And another proven option to, on the deep sands is tagasasti. So um, planting alleys of tagasasti are productive, stable land use and the management's well understood. Thank you very much for joining us today, Jeff, and giving us your time. Oh, yeah, thanks, Cindy, for the opportunity and to listeners. Um, appreciate that. And you can find more information on Deepbird's Season 2022 webpage. Thank you very much. Bye. We will now move on to Svetlana to discuss sand grasshoppers in more detail. Svet, you are an entomologist at Deepbird, and we have had you on this series discussing grasshoppers and locusts previously, haven't we? Absolutely, because you do need to know what species you've got because d different species of grasshoppers and locusts are present in paddocks at different times. Great. And so please go back and have a listen to Svetlana's Locust and Grasshoppers podcast in October 2021. And Svet, today, can you please tell us a bit more about the sand grasshopper and how growers can identify and manage them? This grasshopper is quite widespread in the inland parts of our landscape. It does prefer sandier parts of the paddock and sparse grasses. It's mottled in colour, so it's brown to red to orange, um, but you can tell it apart from Australian plague locust because when you pull out its back leg, it's purple to red in colour, um, but it's a quite a deep red not like the Australian plague locust, which has this bright orange-red um, hind leg. Um, if you look at it quite closely, you'll see its thigh femur has got two black um, bands on it. It's got black knees and its nymphs are very mottled in colour. They can move quite a lot, um, so they can be quite hard to see. Um, but what they don't have is the cross on its thorax. So the Australian plague locust has a cross. This particular grasshopper doesn't. And the other big difference between them is that the sand grasshopper can pretty much breed whenever it feels like. Um, it doesn't have a period where the adults and nymphs aren't present together. So Australian plague locust has dipause stage. So that's why you have hatchings in spring. Not the case with the sand grasshopper. What can growers do to manage the sand grasshopper if they do have 
have them? Look, this particular grasshopper tends to be present in paddocks. Um, so if you get them, they tend to be present in those paddocks year in, year out. It's Their numbers fluctuate depending on what the food source is like and what sort of season we've had. So wet summer means that we do get higher numbers. And what it means is that you do need to be monitoring your paddocks um, to see when they're present and really to only spray if your pastures or crop is not outgrowing the damage. Um, and it's just regularly monitoring. So it means that from when the crop's emerging until um, the crop is well established or when pastures are emerging, you do need to keep an eye on them and uh, absolutely only spray if they're acting like little lawnmowers and the pasture can't grow out damage. And Deep Herd does have a autumn winter insecticide spray guide that growers and consultants can refer to. Now, Svetlana, you've just given us a great description on the grasshoppers, but what can growers and consultants do if they need help to identify between grasshoppers and locusts? How can they get in touch with you or any of our other Deep Herd entomologists to ask for help? Grasshoppers can be difficult to identify by themselves. So taking a really good photograph and putting it through the PestFax reporter app or submitting it to the PestFax um, email address is one of the best ways to get a response as to what species you've got. Because once we know what the species is, we can help you um figure out what you need to do to control it because sometimes it's uh, been blamed on the grasshopper but the grasshopper hasn't been the main culprit so we do need to bear in mind that we do get a lot of species out there and we need to make sure you're targeting the correct one. Thank you Svet and Deephead's PestFax team is very keen to hear about any grasshopper or locust activity that you are seeing so feel free to get in touch with the PestFax team with what you are seeing. Thank you for joining us today Jeff and Svetlana. You have just listened to Jeff Moore and Svetlana Michich from Deep Herd. And just a reminder of the podcast key points today. Growers and consultants are urged to closely monitor sandy soils for ground cover. Have a plan to actively manage any areas with low ground cover. Monitor for grasshoppers and have a plan B if the seasonal conditions change. More information on managing low ground cover and sand grasshoppers can be found on the Deep Herd website www.agric.wa.gov.au. My name is Cindy Webster and thank you for listening.